Well, good morning. It's good to see you again. Uh, really am glad to be together on this Easter morning uh, where we get to celebrate uh, the triumph of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Uh, Jesus was executed on that uh, good but dark Friday. Three days later, he proves in his resurrection that he is the victor over sin, death, and the evil one. I mean, this holy weekend, Good Friday through Easter Sunday, it is the hinge upon which our Christian faith turns. And without it, we really are the most to be pitied. N.T. Wright said this, he said, take Christmas away and in biblical terms, you lose two chapters at the front of Matthew and Luke's gospel, nothing else. You take Easter away and you don't have a New Testament, you don't have a Christianity. So I realized this morning that there are many who are like me, excited and thankful to be worshiping the resurrected Christ. And then there are others here this morning, maybe you're wondering, why is there so much excitement around Easter? Easter, for many people, is a fun holiday with family and friends and Easter eggs and brunch or a dinner, a family dinner, and perhaps this is the one day a year that some might attend a worship service. Many wonder, why do Christians make so much fuss around Easter? A few years ago, I read from a blog post of a woman who grew up Hindu, and then she started studying the Baha'i faith, and then she started looking into Christianity. And I wanted to read some of this blog post again because I think she just gives great expression to what many people uh, in Durham and in our culture might feel around Easter. Some of you might feel. This is what she wrote. Well, so there I was studying along when I hit on just one event that could not be explained away by Baha'i cleverness, the resurrection. And here at last was the only and most effective measuring stick of truth to sort through the claims of religion's unity. Christians claimed that Jesus was God, was the Son of God, and all this stuff about a trinity, which really I had no idea what they were talking about. They claimed this resurrection, which made no sense to me. Not that I didn't believe Jesus couldn't rise from the dead if he were God, but I had no idea what possible relevance that could have since I didn't understand or know about the fall and sin and the final resurrection, I just assumed these were all myths with no more relevant deep meaning than a fairy tale, except some metaphorical spiritual meanings. I was not even interested because I I never understood the importance that that event should have to me. And then she continues, she goes, no Christian ever explained that to me. They, They just say crazy stuff like I've been washed in the blood of a lamb and now I'm saved Jesus died for your sins, don't you want to be saved? And then they paint portraits of hell, and it all made zero sense to me, just as though someone said, my my red balloon popped, and then candy canes fell out of the sky. Or your rabbit is winking at me, or doesn't this all make you want to buy a new Nissan? She said, I'm not exaggerating, this nutshell gospel message makes absolutely no sense to a non-Christian. No real meaningful sense anyway, you just have no idea What they're so excited about. So Jesus rose from the dead. Big whoop. So what? Good for him. So what? So what? What difference does Easter make for you and for me? Coming out of this very difficult past 12 months, this Easter, I want to preach about how Easter makes a difference in our lives. And I want us to hear the invitation of the resurrected Jesus to come and to allow this Easter Sunday to make all the difference in the world. Jesus knows that all of us come into this worship service in different ways, which is why I want to preach out of John chapter 20. 
John chapter 20 is a picture of people with differing perspectives causing them to experience the resurrection in various ways. John 20 is a picture of what you get when you combine a skeptic, a downcast, a scaredy cat, and a doubter all hearing and experiencing the resurrection. I could also say that John chapter 20 is a picture of Christ Central Church on April 4th, 2021. Because I know there are many here this morning experiencing Easter skeptical, downcast, afraid, or doubting. And so I want us to hear that the resurrection makes all the difference in the world. And so if you will turn with me to John chapter 20, and I'm going to get my Bible because I left it down here on the first pew. Need the Bible to read God's word, right? Didn't memorize all of that. So if you are able, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to give attention to the reading of God's word. I know this is a long passage, John 21 through 29, but I think it deserves our full attention this Easter morning. This is God's word to us. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am sending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here 
and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Pray with me. Living God, resurrected Christ, Holy Spirit, we need you to speak to us. We need you by your power to fall fresh upon our minds and our hearts, upon this communal gathering so that we might be individually and corporately transformed because we have heard from the living Christ. I pray that we would have ears to hear. I pray that, Lord, you would make our hearts tender and receptive. I pray that we would leave transformed because we have encountered you, Jesus. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing. Holy Spirit, fall upon us so that we might hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, the invitation that Jesus offers this morning to every single one of us is this. Come, see, and believe. Jesus is risen. In the passage that I just read, there are four different types of people being invited by Jesus to come, see, and believe. And these invitations to the four different people are my points this morning. The first point we see in verses 1 through 10 is come, see, believe, all of you who are skeptical and inquiring. In our passage, Mary arrives first at the tomb, and she runs back and she tells the other disciples, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. Somebody has stolen his body. And and so then Peter and the beloved disciple John run to check this out, and they arrive at the tomb, and they stoop to look in. Stooping to look in means they are inquiring, they are examining, they are inspecting the tomb like a scientist looking for evidence because their minds are blown away by the empty tomb. Even though Jesus told his disciples that he must suffer and three days later rise, none of his followers understood this. None of them expected a cross and a resurrection. And this is where I think some of us can miss just how mind-blowing the resurrection was for the first followers of Jesus. We can be tempted to assume that the resurrection was easier to understand and believe in the first century, but it was just as mind-blowing and just as paradigm-shifting for first century followers of Jesus as it is for people today. And so Jesus welcomes and invites everyone who is skeptical, everyone who's wondering, is this true? Is this gospel true? The author of this gospel, John, is very careful and intentional in his writing. And he writes to show that there is evidence for the resurrection. And John is inviting us, the reader, to come and see this evidence. Look at verse 1. He writes, for the first day of the week, she, Mary, came early and it was still dark. The time is explicit. The setting is clear. And Mary is the first to arrive at the tomb. And much has been made of this Uh, in the past number of years, but it's extremely important and true that in the first century, if you were making up stories about the resurrection, you would not have recorded that a woman was the first eyewitness. This was not a strong argument. It would be a weakness for the case of the resurrection, but today it is strong evidence because most historians agree that the only reason 
that the early writers of, script, of Scripture would record that the first eyewitness was Mary, a woman, is because she was. And look with me at, at some of the details of the empty tomb that John writes about. They saw the linen cloths, face cloth folded in a place by itself. I can imagine Peter and John stooping in to examine this tomb and questioning if Mary is right and someone took his body, why, why did the grave robbers take his clothes off? Why did they take the time to do that? And why would they fold his clothes so nice and neat? Another evidence that all historians agree upon is that something happened that day at the tomb because it's the only way that you can account for 2,000 years with billions of followers of Jesus. Everyone can agree something happened. Right? Japanese author Shisako Endo wrote that if you don't believe in the resurrection, you'll be forced to believe something else as great hit the disciples. Something changed the world on that day, and we have to ask, what was it? So are you skeptical and inquiring this morning? Jesus welcomes you to come and to see that the evidence demands the verdict. He really is risen. Second thing I want to point out in verses 11 through 18 is Jesus' invitation to come see and believe those downcast and despairing. Verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Mary is sad. Mary is disheartened. Her Savior who had rescued her, who had, who, who had redeemed her, who she'd been following is now gone and she doesn't know what happened. And so with eyes swollen from weeping, heart throbbing, it's still dark outside. She looks into the tomb and she sees what she thinks is the gardener, but it's Jesus. And he asks her, woman, why are you weeping? I mean, why or whom are you seeking? And, and what Jesus is doing, he's entering into Mary's pain and sadness. He's entering in by asking her questions. He wants to know, what's going on in your heart, Mary? What, why the pain? Why the sadness? And if you've ever been to a counselor, a, a, a really good counselor does this. They ask good questions to pull you out, to draw you out, to enter into the truth of your heart. A good friend pulls you out by asking good questions. Well, Jesus is being the great friend and the great counselor, welcoming Mary and welcoming us to come with our pain, to come with our sadness, to come with our confusion. And in the words of Dale Bruner, Jesus preaches the shortest and the greatest sermon ever. Jesus simply says, Mary. Just speaks her name. He doesn't shout, Mary, it's me! Mary, believe it's me. He simply, with tenderness and love, says, Mary. And in her sadness and in her despair, Jesus meets her in a personal way. And so I ask, are you sad this morning? Are you downcast this morning? Jesus invites all who are sad and all who are despairing to come and see that Jesus really is raised from the dead. And he wants to bring healing and joy to your heart. The third thing we see, it's in verses 19 to 23, is this invitation. Come see, believe those who are fearful. Look at verse 19. It says, the disciples were locked behind doors in great fear of the Jews. These disciples who had been following Jesus for years, they just experienced their Savior tortured, mocked, humiliated, and publicly executed upon a cross. And so they are afraid that if they are associated with Jesus, they also will be shamed, mocked, 
and tortured. Now, I have to be honest with you that there have been times in my life that when I meet someone for the first time, be it in my neighborhood or at the gym or on the golf course or through another friend, that I fear the question, what do you do? Daniel, so what do you do? Uh, And when that question comes, I have fear because I know many people in Durham will recoil when I answer, well, I'm a pastor. And I've actually tried to answer it in many different ways, and it all goes over this. I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, I'm a Presbyterian minister, and every time what was natural conversation all of a sudden gets awkward, right? It just does. Christianity and, and being a pastor is viewed by many as antiquated and uneducated, not progressive. And so if I'm honest, fear can strike my heart when I think people are going to associate me in this way. And so if I allow fear to, to grip my heart, I'm tempted to think I've got to prove myself. I've got to show them I, I actually am educated. I am thoughtful. I am relevant. I am normal and natural. You can be normal and natural with me. And so I know there are many of you who have fear when you think about engaging with your coworkers about being more bold in your faith in Jesus. Fears, what your neighbors might think if they really knew how serious you took your faith in Christ. And perhaps some of you have been mocked by family or friends, coworkers or classmates for how firmly you hold to Christianity. Sometimes in our fear, we can be tempted to think life would be easier if we, like the disciples, just huddled up together safe and secure, behind closed doors. We didn't speak out too loudly. Right? We might associate with one another, but, but wanting, not really wanting to face the possibility of being shamed and mocked because we're associated with Jesus by those who disagree with us. And the resurrected Christ comes and he stands in the middle of his disciples and he says, peace be with you. And he shows his hands and he shows his sides and he gives them peace in the midst of their fear. So are you fearful this morning of being associated with Christ? Well, Jesus invites us to come and to see and to believe the resurrection is true. And he gives us a peace that transcends all understanding. The fourth thing that I want us to see is in verses 24 to 29, this invitation, come see and believe those who are doubting and questioning. Thomas He comes and he says, unless I see the Lord, unless I see his hands and the wound in his side, unless I touch, I will not believe. And as one commentator said, Thomas has the rightful name twin. For he is in one sense a believer. He's been following Jesus with the other disciples and at the same time a semi-unbeliever because he wants tactile proof to assuage his doubts. And Jesus stands in the midst of the disciples and he says, peace be with you. And then he tells Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. Put your hand in my side. In effect, he is telling Thomas, Thomas, try me. Try me. Thomas, it's okay. Be honest with your doubts. Be honest with your questions. Come and believe. I think many of us can feel like the twin often. Perhaps we've been following Jesus for years, and at the same time, the only honest prayer we can utter is, help my unbelief, Lord. Lord, help my unbelief. So are you doubting this morning? Jesus invites us to come and to see and to believe. But the resurrection is the miracle of all miracles. It is true. Jesus crucified on Friday, resurrected King on Sunday. And wherever you find yourself this morning, skeptical, disheartened, fearful, doubting, or some other place I have not mentioned, Jesus wants to meet you. And here's why he wants to meet you. He wants to meet you to give you the gift of faith. 
The big whoop of Easter is so that we might believe. The reason Jesus meets each person right where they are in John 20 is so that they might believe in the resurrected Christ. Look at verse 8. Then the disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. The skeptic simply saw and believed. And Jesus meets weeping Mary. He engages her with gentle questioning. He preaches this short and great sermon, Mary. And she turns and confesses, teacher. And then she clings so tightly to Jesus that Jesus says, don't cling to me, Mary. She had found her Savior, and Jesus had caused her heart to turn and to believe that she gripped onto him with all of her might. And the disciples, who were afraid, hiding behind locked doors, Jesus appears in verse 19. He stood among them, and he says, Peace be with you. And Jesus stands in the midst of us, gathered as he did in John 20, revealing himself to us and to them, so that all who are afraid might believe and might have peace. And Thomas, doubting and questioning, Jesus moves towards him. Put your fingers here. Put it in my side, Thomas. And then he gives Thomas tactile evidence. Touch me. Do not disbelieve, Thomas, but believe. And the doubter becomes the confessor. he, He becomes the first person in the Gospel of John to call Jesus Lord. But he doesn't just call him Lord, but Thomas calls him my Lord and my God. So the resurrected Christ doesn't just extend the offer to come and see, but come and see and believe. He really is the risen king. He really is who he says he is. He is the son of God sent to save you, to save me, and to heal and redeem this broken world. That is why there is so much hoopla around Easter. And when we come and when we see and when we believe, we are transformed to become like Mary, excited to go and share the good news of Jesus' resurrection. John 20 begins with one woman, Mary Magdalene, who was at one time a woman possessed by a demon, but then rescued by Jesus. She was not a mover and a shaker. She doesn't have a pedigree or a resume that would wow anyone. But she meets the risen Christ in a deeply personal way. And then she immediately is sent out in this new encounter with Christ to proclaim, I have seen the Lord. And discovering that her Savior was alive and that she was loved, she was thrust out to do what she was created to do, to proclaim him as king and the kingdom as coming. The whole Christian faith was built upon Mary Magdalene, a demoniac, Someone who was weak, yet followed and stuck with Jesus when others deserted him. And he met her and he sent her out as the first believer and through her changing the whole world. One woman sent, changing the world. So what difference does Easter make? It changes your life and it changes the world. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would change our lives. Lord, there, I know people here this morning who never believed, who never trusted, never encountered the risen Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning might be the first time, first time that they would believe. Others of us, Lord, we, we believe, but Lord, we're still, we still are skeptical. We, we still inquire and, and wonder, is it really true? We, we're, 
We're sad and confused often by this broken world that we live in. And Lord, we, we, we often don't know what to do and we doubt. And so Lord, I pray that you would meet us right where we are. You know where we are. And so I pray that you would meet us now as we come to the table. Lord, you, I pray the words that were preached that were from you would land on fertile soil within our hearts and our souls. And Lord, if there were words not of you, they would fall away. And now we come to this table that is of you. And so I pray that we would taste and see, not just here, but we, now we would taste and see and dine with the risen King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.